Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. Um, If you missed last week's episodes, it was with Ethan Butte. Um, He's doing a lot of amazing work, and we talked about rehumanizing your online business. Um, Really good one, so if you guys want to check that out, swing back over. Uh, We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, all those spots, iTunes, you name it. Um, And this week, we are going to be talking with Michael O'Brien, and he's an inspirational speaker, and he does a lot of corporate coaching. He had this really crazy crazy experience, a life-altering event um, that completely shattered his worldview. And he's going to walk us through it. And it just changed the way he lived his life. Um, He's actually the author of a book that was very popular called Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows. And he's also a best, uh, he also has written the bestseller, My Last Bad Day. Okay, and so he is on a mission right now to um, help one million people have their last bad day. So lots of really inspirational insights here and good tidbits on improving your life and making sure that you have your last bad day. Uh, So yeah, so stay tuned for that. It's gonna be, it's an exciting discussion with Michael. yeah, one update that we have is regarding the Captivate Method. So the doors have been closed for the Captivate Method, but we plan on reopening them now in October. So that is the goal. We'll get a more specific date. We are aiming for October 1st, but you know how these things go. So let's just say October 2019, the Captivate Method will be open, um, and we're going to start getting people into the new format. So hopefully uh, that all takes place as planned, um, and we'll keep you guys updated about those things. Um, I think that just about covers it for today guys we'll keep the intro short and sweet you know how to reach us at changecreator.com hit the contact let us know if you have anything you want to talk about or get involved in we're always looking for contributors guys we're looking for contributors for the site if you have a passion you're an activist you're a business owner there's a lot of things going on in the world share your passion this is a great platform for you to get involved there's an application there for you to to do that all right guys let's dive into this chat with michael okay show me the heat Hey, Michael, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today? Good, Adam. Good to be with you, man. I'm totally pumped for our conversation. Yeah, no, I appreciate you taking some time to chat. Um, you know, I, it sounds like you have a really great story and uh, lots of good experience. So we'll, we'll dig into it, but tell me just a little bit. I like to just hear off the bat, you know, what is going on in your world today? Um, what's the latest? What's the greatest? So with the latest and greatest, I'm pretty stoked for the next two weeks because the next week I'm going to be with a client down in Miami for their sales meeting, doing a couple of keynotes, doing a little facilitation and hosting. But then the week after I get to go up to Nova Scotia for a week long bike ride through Nova Scotia for uh, for basically multiple sclerosis um, care a great organization called Can Do MS are based in Colorado and I've raised money for them and they do some excellent work for people dealing with multiple sclerosis current day versus like looking for new treatment. So it's like in the moment. And so we're going to ride around, you know, the northern part of the world uh, all in an effort to change people's lives, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. Uh, how long is how many miles is this bike ride supposed to be? So it's we're gonna ride for six days. It's gonna be like sixty miles a day. Wow. And you know, so the good the good news is like we ride a lot, we eat a lot, 
No, we might have, <laughs> have we might to. have a we might have a beer or two, and then we <laughs> sleep a lot. So, um, but you know, going up there in you know in the fall, it's going to just be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I just can't wait. It's one part of the world I haven't ridden my bike in. So totally stoked. I can't yeah. wait to get up there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I was just, I just saw something in the news. I was talking to my wife and I was like, man, this guy, he broke the record for running a hundred exec- uh, consecutive miles. And guess what his average mile pace was for a hundred miles of running. <laughs> it was- I, I, I'm going to guess. I'm, so I, I think it's going to be a little crazy. So I'm going to say like, uh, like a seven minute mile. Six over- four, 647. Wow. That <laughs> 100 is, miles, are you kidding? That's nuts because, like, as a former, you know, I used to run before my accident, which we'll touch upon. And so that is that is kick-ass, man. Like, holy uh, cow. Man, I couldn't believe it. So anyway, that was a jaw-dropper. And when you talked about the doing some, I mean, 60 miles a day on a bike is a lot in my world. Like, I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know. But yeah, good way no. to keep in shape, that's for sure. It's a good way to keep in shape. And, you know, the cookies and the treats – you have a little bit less guilt as they touch your lips, you yes. know, if you've ridden 60 miles. So, but it's really like, it's a great, it's a great group of people and their, their attitude, it's called can do MS yeah. is just one of abundance. So you get that, you get that really cool vibe just being around them and you, you, you think, and you can do so much more than you think you can yeah. uh, when you're around them. And that has a beautiful way of just cascading or rippling into other aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'd like to give everybody a little background just so they know, you know, where you're coming from and stuff. And, you know, you have a, a, a story that kind of led you to where you are now in your life. Um, I'd like to just have you kind of walk us through that, you know, in a couple minutes or so. Uh, if you can if you can do that background, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to share because it's, you know, seminal to like who I am today. So yeah. I'll take take your listeners back to July 11th, 2001. I had what I call my last bad day. I was out in New Mexico riding my bike. I was out there for a corporate corporate me- uh, corporate meeting, sort of sales and marketing type of thing. Like a summit, you fly out on Monday, fly back on Friday. In between, they try to torture you with PowerPoint. And I thought, Adam, I was gonna be the smartest guy in the world. I was gonna bring my bike out, get some exercise, avoid the hotel gym. And unfortunately, and also, fortunately, later, fortunately, I came around a bend on my fourth lap. I had a two-mile loop. I was going to do about 10 loops for 20 miles before the meeting began. I came around a bend on my bike, and an SUV, a Ford Explorer, white Ford Explorer, was coming right at me, had crossed into my lane fully. It was going about 40 miles an hour, based on what the police estimate. And I had nowhere to go. And I didn't have enough time to go anywhere either. Plus, I was looking at it. I was like, oh, he's going to move. He's going to see me. He's going to move. He's going to see me. And he never saw me. And he, unfortunately, never moved. And I remember the sound of me hitting his grill into the windshield, the thud I made as I came to the asphalt below, the screech of his brakes. I remember all that. And I was knocked unconscious. And when the EMTs arrived, they started trying to save my life. And and I did. I asked them the question that only another cyclist can really appreciate. I asked them, "Hey, how's my bike?" You know, because uh, I was trying to cut, I was trying to cut the tension in the in the situation with a little humor, because I knew my life was in question just based on how they were reacting to, you know, my state of health, and I was in the worst pain of my life. And yeah. to make a long story short, 
when they put me on the helicopter to take me to Albuquerque to the trauma center, I promised myself if, if I lived, I would stop chasing happiness. Because before that period of time, I was playing Superman at work. I thought I had to have all the answers because I was the leader. I was playing Superman at home because I thought as the provider and the dad and the husband, I had to have all the answers. And I was pouring a whole bunch of stress inside. I suffered from comparisonitis, like what I had versus what everyone else had. And I always felt I didn't have enough. So I just kept kept on chasing sort of on that hamster wheel. And I caught some things every now and again that made me happy. But then like any great vapor finish line, it poofs and goes away. And that was back to chasing. Yeah. So I knew in that moment that I had to change the way I lived if I was going to have the life I wanted to have. So I made that commitment that I was going to stop chasing happiness when they put me on the helicopter. And long story short, and, you know, um, you know, not to ruin the end of the story, I live in the end. And <laughs> I finally had a I finally had a shift where I realized that I could live life by a different script and not not by the script that I thought society wanted me to live by. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, sometimes these experiences can really jolt your your perspective and how you see and live your life. And it reminded me of um, a time somebody told me, I was like talking about something about, you know, I want this and I want that. And he's like, well, you have to, you have to realize that if, if you feel that way, that's the person you are that wants these things. When you get it, you're still going to be the person that wants, and you're always going to be in the cycle of wanting no matter what you get. <laughs> I was like, oh man, okay. And so you mentioned, you know, you were in some kind of cycle there of chasing happiness and things like that. So tell me a little bit, you know, from this event, how, what kind of changes did you start making? Well, I, I knew I knew I had to get clear on my priorities, you know, because a lot of it was sort of chasing those external merit badges in terms of, well, I'll be happy when I get to the next level. And, you know, I see a lot with even entrepreneurs like, well, once I get this done, then I'll be happy. Or once I get this, you know, like once I get a TEDx talk, then I will be a successful speaker. Or, you know, you can name a hundred different things, Adam. So I, one, I first realized that if I was going to get my body healthy, I had to get my mind right, you know, because we, we often talk about how we worry ourselves sick. Yeah. Well, in a moment of a aha, sort of like my big shift, I was like, well, if you can worry yourself sick, why can't you think yourself well? And my big goal at that point in time was I wanted to try to get to back to some level of normalcy and to get back home and out of the hospital. So I knew I had to start shifting my mindset. And that was the really the beginning part of like having more of a mindfulness practice, which I didn't even know what it was back in 2001. Like, you know, we forget like a lot of this mindfulness work, meditation, gratitude, uh, uh, being courageous, being vulnerable. All that is relatively new on the scene thanks to social media. It's one of the good byproducts because some of those messages get to be spread pretty quickly. Yeah. But back then I just knew in my gut, if you will, that I had to get my head right. I had to get my mindset right. And I also had to get really focused on what I wanted my purpose to be. And back then I just made a commitment, you know, I'm gonna let go of all the titles. I'm gonna let go of all the chasing of material possessions. And I wanna be the best father and husband and version I could be, which I know sounds somewhat cliche and a little Pollyannish, but really for me, 
if I could show up that way and sort of fulfill that, get closer to being the best I could be in those areas, then I knew the rest of the success of my life would be, would flow naturally from that. So I began doing different morning rituals, different evening rituals, but also just trying to live life with much more awareness as opposed to just sort of aimlessly going through life on the hamster wheel, just grinding it out before we knew anything about grinding it out, right? Because we didn't, we didn't call it hustle and grinding it back then. <laughs> but I just knew that I needed to do purposeful work that was meaningful and do it with gratitude and connection with others. If I showed up that way, if my how was right, then I would have the the downstream impact that would be successful, you know, and I just, I put a lot of faith in that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot there and I'm curious, were there certain routines that worked well for you? Yeah, there's so two that I, two that were very fabulous. One was, and I remember the very next day I got up out of my bed early in the hospital, I scooted myself into my wheelchair and I wheeled myself to a quiet place in the hospital. And I had like all my CDs cause I was, I was rocking a Sony disc man back then. There was no iPod yet. So, you know, now everyone's music is on their phone or through Spotify, but I had about 10 CDs and on my disc man. And I, I used that time one just to get quiet. So that was the beginning of my mindfulness practice where I just sat in quiet and connected with my breath and really started to think through how I wanted to show up in the day. So it really was about my intentionality, which I didn't call it then. Back then, we sort of call it being intentional now. But I really wanted to frame out how I wanted to show up with my physical rehab, with my occupational rehab, and then with all with all the visitors that would come and just energetically for myself. So that was a routine that I would spend the first five minutes just doing that. I spent some time, about five, 10 minutes, just connecting with my breath. And then I would put on the soundtrack of my recovery, which was Depeche Mode's Violator uh, (laughs) album, which is still one of my favorites. And I would just get in and sort of connect with my music and that would fire me up and I would start moving my body. So it was a whole ritual to get my mind set for the day, but also my body set for the day. And it was a really good way to sort of frame it out. And then at night, before I hit the pillow, I developed a gratitude practice because in my condition, it was so easy to fixate on all the things I couldn't do anymore, all the things I didn't have, all my pains, all my aches, the scars, uh, all the problems of my accident. And how it it was going to impact my life. So I spent time just listing out what I was grateful for. And it's so simple, but not enough people do it even today to really help, you know, balance out because we're so hardwired to look at what's wrong in the world. It gave me a chance to look what's to look for what's good in the world. And that helped me build into the next day. And then I developed that mantra creating better tomorrows as a way to sort of fuel my recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think a majority of people, you know, have these types of practices. And, you know, everybody, you know, will start talking about morning rituals or evening rituals. And um, 
I, after enough research, you know, and talking to some of these people around the world, like the Ariana Huffingtons and Tony Robbins and all these things, it's like you find out that in, in my perspective, where I've come to a conclusion is you don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. if that's not good for you, <laughs> right? Yes. Like working yeah. within the best hours for yourself and finding a routine that is grounded in certain principles, but it it's for you. It's tailored for you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of times we go to celebrity too frequently to say, oh, wow, Tony and Ariana or Seth or fill in the blank. Yeah. Those guys are so super successful. I'll do exactly what they do. <laughs> and then we'll do like Tony's like ice, you know, ice plunge in the yeah, morning. The ice plunge. Yeah. You know, and we do that for a couple of days and we're like, God, this is bogus. Like, how does he even do it? And so, and, yeah, it totally <laughs> sucks. You know, like. And so, and, and that's not to like, you know, throw shade on Tony, obviously no, no. A, a wicked successful, but like they're doing things that help them move forward yes. and we got to find the things that help us move forward. So my practice is my practice and I offer it up to people and my clients as an example of what you can do. Yeah. But what I try to share is like, Hey, you know, there are no hacks, there are no shortcuts. If the hacks and shortcuts were real, were really things that were working, they wouldn't be known as shortcuts and hacks. They would just be standard practices. Yeah. So find the things that work for you to give your day some structure to allow you to rebound from those bad moments. Because whatever we're doing, especially as an entrepreneur, we're going to have bad moments. And my big thing coming off of my recovery is I don't want a bad moment to gain any more fuel than it than it should so it doesn't turn into a bad day exactly and, and that's why i sort of labeled my july 11 2001 as my last bad day and i haven't had a bad day since but i've certainly have had challenging moments bad moments but i never want to give them any more energy than they deserve because if i do then the whole day can get hijacked and you know this adam like one day gets hijacked the next day gets hijacked and now you're on this this pattern of bad days over and over again and then you can't do the work you're meant to do to help change the world and change people in a really magical way yeah yeah it becomes like as you focus on these things you start just manifesting it every day um so you're right it's kind of like how you respond to things is really the bulk of of what matters so you know every just as an example outside of business you know if my wife and i get in an argument um, it, it doesn't last, we won't be mad at it for more than like an hour. Cause after that, we're like, okay, like I'm done putting, putting energy into this. Still love you. Yeah. Let's move forward. And that's it. Like we don't want to carry any kind of resentment or, you know, just like the stress of being angry. Like it's just so ridiculous when you really get down to it. Um, and I've learned that even with business, if you are focusing on things that aren't working for your business and you're stressing and waking up in cold sweats and panicking about the money and all these things. Um, not only are you when you focus on the wrong things like that you are going to constantly perpetuate those things um, to get worse yeah and you're going to what you talk about is really sort of forcing your way through life and your business yeah and nothing really good happens when we're trying to force our way through it like you know just clenching our teeth you know and and not really enjoying our work because the other the people that we serve we can pick up on that right we can pick up on your vibe we can pick up on your energy yeah and so when we're stuck in that loop that negative you know self-narrative sometimes it sort of shows up that way 
then it's really hard to be present with the people that you need to be present with and create the change that you're really looking to create. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about the work you're doing right now today with clients. Well, the, a lot of my work, I really try to help them focus on how to become more resilient because, hey, here in 2019, we need we need more resilience. We need more courage. And we also need more community. So we talk about, and I share with them, ways that they can be resilient in business. So when those bad moments or challenging moments happen, how do they respond quickly? Much like you just mentioned, Adam, like when you and your wife fight, that's a bad moment. You don't want it to last any longer than it needs to. Yeah. So these things are gonna happen. What I work with my clients on is like, those moments are gonna happen. How you respond to them is everything. Yep. So when you do respond, the intensity isn't as strong and the number of times you are triggered, hopefully that's reduced over time. So we work on that. But we also work on really understanding like who's in your peloton. So as a cyclist, I love to use cycling metaphors. So a peloton is a group of cyclists in a bike race, much like the Tour de France. All those brightly clad guys racing down the roads of France are called a peloton. And they need a whole bunch of trust and collaboration and communication and leadership yeah. to go down the road as fast and as safe as possible. And we need it, too, as entrepreneurs or just as human beings. Like, who's in your tribe? Who are you riding with if we're going to use the Peloton reference? So I really help people understand, like, who are you riding with? Who is around you? And what roles do they play? Because not everyone on your personal board of directors or in your Peloton serves the same role. Some people are gonna be there for you in a crisis. Some will be there to challenge your thinking and get you outside your comfort zone. But let's be aware about who we're spending our time with because life and running a business is not a solo endeavor. So you need the right people around you to bring out all all its beauty and all your success. Well, and and so what are some of the, I guess, ideas around making like what happens when you don't have like have you ever I don't know about you but like I've started a couple companies and there has been times where you know you're in a position where you need help or you think you need help because you're you're probably doing too much more than you should be to start your business because you don't know what you're doing and then you bring people on board who are offering like hey I'll help and be part of this it's cool and all that stuff and you start kind of getting stuck with this team that actually may not be serving you may not be serving the business and in the end you know you're going to have to figure out a way to maybe separate yourself. Um, so I'm curious if you have any thoughts for people in their early stages on how to think about, you know, getting in, in, involved with the right people. I, so I love this question, Adam, because, gosh, it happened to me frequently, probably more frequently than I care to admit. But I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you, sharing this with you now. Um, it's really the first time I've done, done it really publicly in the beginning, even after all the work that I've done on myself coming out of my accident, when I was an entrepreneur, I got I got caught in comparing my beginning to a whole bunch of other people's middle. And I was like, I want to I want to be where they are and I want to be there right now. And so there's all these people coming to you saying, hey, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. Oh, it's only a 1997 program or you know a 97 dollar course and i'll do this freelance work and you're like oh wow if i just take that course or if i get that person to help me they'll they'll introduce me to the next level and 
and it's just a different version of chasing happiness. And I did that, you know, a number of times. What I learned along the way after my first, I'd say, year, year and a half, is I started asking people who were potential partners about their values. And I really wanted to tap into like, okay, what do you value? And how do you look at a partnership with a prospective business client? And I wanted to see if how they were sort of hardwired, if you will, their orientation was at least similar to mine that we like, like we wanted to work together because we believed in each other's work. And it was more than just, hey, dollar signs, you know, dollar signs from me, like, oh, this person's going to help me get to the next level and dollar signs from them, like, oh, here's a new client. I wanted to have much more of a intimate, passionate partnership where I believed in them and what they stood for. And they saw the value in what I stood for as a way to get more cohesiveness with with my Peloton. So I would have more trust. And we with more trust, you can do so much more, more good out there in the world. Yeah, no, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think Pete, everybody go, gets a little taste of this experience. And um, a lot of times you might find, you know, I really like the people that are here, um, but you have to come to this like hard re- realization, like, are they right for actually making progress in the business right now, especially at that particular phase in the business, right? So uh, interesting. And I think a, a, a tough situation for a lot of people, because, you know, you, you can always, it's, it's so easy to get desperate and, and just want extra hands. And so you'll take on anybody that's a willing spirit, right? Uh, absolutely. And I think a lot of times when the person is a good person, but doesn't, doesn't necessarily deliver the value prop yes. that we're, that really will, will serve both parties. Well, that's tough because we don't want to be a jerk. We want, you know, we want to be kind. Yeah. We want to be caring, but really when, when we, can separate that type of partnerships to say, hey, like, as a person, I love you to death. But from a work perspective, where I'm going and where you're going is not the same place. What that does, it, it frees us up to go into different partnerships. It also frees them up to explore different partnerships yeah. that fit them better. Yeah. So there's a lot of care. It, it's tough to have the conversation. There's no doubt about it. It's a <laughs> yes, it conversation is. to have. But it's a it's a vital one to have for really both parties. Yeah. So, so both parties can be surrounded by the type of people that can bring out their best. But yeah, and there's no doubt about it. Like this aspect of being an entrepreneur is so critical and, you know, to avoid chasing those shiny objects and have those partnerships that will do right by you and can help shine a mirror in front of you when you when you need to, you know, have some awareness. Yeah. And can push you outside your comfort zone when, when they you know when they see that your work has even more value than sometimes, you know what you see in your work, right? So because every yeah. now now and again we get you know we have a little self doubt that pops up as an entrepreneur. So it's good to have these types of partners in our lives. <laughs> a little self doubt. <laughs> yeah, I think. well, so a lot of self doubt. <laughs> like I was just like before we got on before we got on the call, Adam, I sent an email to someone. I was doing a reference check on a potential partner. I was checking out their values. And the email I wrote to my friend was like, yeah, I'm having a little self-doubt because the price tag to work with this person is a little steep. And 
in the early days, I got burnt by some price tags that were a little steep, thinking it would be like, oh, they're going to take me to the promised land of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And so I, I emailed her. I was like, yeah, a little self-doubt, price tag, you know, am I going to replicate something I did years ago? And, you know, it's good to get to this point where you can be open about that and say, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And, you know, after we get done talking, I'll spend some, you know, more time just sort of processing it and then ultimately making a decision if I want to work with this person or not. Yeah. And you kind of over time have to really, as you get experience in your space, I feel like you start learning where you need coaching and support. And, you know, we all need mentors, right? We all need people that have experience that can push us out of our comfort zone and stuff like that. But finding and vetting the the people who have bad advice versus good advice, it, it becomes a little bit of a craft. And you, I, the more you know about your space, you'll start knowing, like, are they saying things that are logical here that make sense and that I can trust them? And here's that word again, trust, like it comes down to, can I trust that one, their focus is what I need and that they can actually deliver on what uh, they're promising, right? Absolutely. And I love to check them out too, like just what what they're putting out there yep. in the social space, right? So is it aligned to their marketing? Is it authentic? Are people making comments about their work and comments that are positive or maybe less so? Because I you know, if we're going to develop a partnership with someone, we got to have that trust. And a lot of the breadcrumbs we leave behind in, on, on social media gives us a good indication of like who this person is. And I think it's just it's a, it's a wise business practice just to do your due diligence on that before you, you know, before you broker a partnership yeah. that maybe is easy to start, but a little bit harder to break. Yeah, so 100 you know, percent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we've gone through, you know, the courses and all those types of things. And, you know, we've done even, we have partnerships and mentors up to like 20, it can be, you know, $20,000 we've put in to get coaching. And as you get more experience, it gets more expensive when you're pushing into the next level of, of what you're doing. So you really do need to kind of like have a keen eye and, and do your due diligence. I think that's a good way to put it is really do that due diligence. <laughs> yeah. And, and, all, and I would say at all levels, you know, even so as an, a new entrepreneur, I remember my thinking, it's like, oh, I just want to get to the next level. Yeah. I was fortunate last year to be in a, a pretty high level mastermind and the price tag was very similar to what you just referenced. Yeah. And what was what was fascinating to me, and I knew this intellectually, but I didn't necessarily understand it emotionally until I went for the first weekend. So all these all these entrepreneurs were high level, like like uh, let's call it a, a million dollars plus. Yeah. And they had their version of self doubt because they were trying to get to the next level. Exactly. And, and it was, so it was like, Oh wow. Like the self doubt, that part doesn't necessarily go away. Right. So <laughs> you gotta be dealing with it. You know, it goes back to that old adage, next level, next devil that we're always working with our self narrative so we can get past it to serve more people, regardless of where we may be. If we have a $50,000 business or a $500,000 business, we all experience some of the same things. And we also experience the question mark of who should we partner with and yep. spending some extra time on where we need partnership and who we do it with is just, yeah, it's a sound business practice for, for any entrepreneur that wants to last over time. 
Yeah, and you're right, that self-doubt. I mean, I one thing that Tony Robbins, that stands out to me that he told us was like, he's like, I work with all these people, all these professionals in different spaces, you know, they're multi-million dollar people, and anytime someone was stuck and they're trying to get to a next level in their life or their business, whatever it might be, he said 80% of the time, it was a psychological block that they, he had to help them get past. Um, so they're holding themselves back. It was not about the tactics, the strategy. It was just this psychological barrier, which is obviously self-doubt is one of those types of barriers that I think is like fundamentally consistent across the board, no matter where you are in your life. Absolutely. You know, I don't really do a lot of work with entrepreneurs as far as coaching them, but most of my coaching is with corporate executives. Mm -hmm. so they've reached some of the highest levels in their company. And it's all mindset as well, right? Yeah. It's all the self-doubt. So here they are, they got these big corporate jobs. You think that they're all that in a bag of chips. And at the end of the day, we all have the same issues. Yep. The, you know, the self-doubt, the limiting beliefs, the incorrect interpretations or assumptions, uh, making stuff up, you know, our storytelling that doesn't serve us well. We all have it regardless of what level. And when we realize that, it's like, wow, we're all we're all pretty human. And you can take you can take like a collective exhale and say, okay, all right, so now what? Let's get to work. And let's try to figure it out and make iterations upon iterations or take a step closer to mastery. You know, appreciate the gift that each day really brings. Yeah. Try to maximize it. And then the next day we try to do a little bit better. And then exactly. you solve you know, you follow suit day after day. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's amazing because you can get into these conversations with coaches and other people that might be helping you out. And sometimes it's just an experience or the way you might have heard something. I say this all the time. Like you might have heard someone say a certain, make a certain point or share an idea. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. And then you hear someone else say it, but in a different perspective, that's right for you at that time. And it all of a sudden a light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, now I really get it. <laughs> you know? And it's like, you have these moments of clarity. Absolutely. Well, there's, I think there's a, a belief in the advertising world that you have to hear a marketing message six or seven times. It could even be higher because yeah. there's so much noise out in the marketplace now. But same thing in terms of sometimes advice, you know, as a parent, you know, I've told my kids like X, Y, and Z probably a thousand and thousand times. And then someone they may hear from a, a YouTube influencer and they're like, oh my God, dad, I heard this amazing thing from so-and-so. And I'm like, oh really, what is it? And they're like, well, I should do this. And I, it, it takes all, all my effort, Adam, to be like, oh yeah, I think that's really good advice. Even though like I've told you that a thousand times before. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, you know, as a parent, it's, you know, it's humbling at times because you your kids, all these different things. And sometimes they, finally pick up on the lesson when they hear from an outsider or a teacher or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Michael, listen, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but I want to do two things. One, tell us about your latest book real quick, what that is. So people, um, you know, who are interested can check that out and then tell us uh, where people can just learn more about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So the new book is called my last bad day shift. And it's all to help the reader prevent bad moments from turning into bad days. And in it, I give real practical advice 
once I get done reading it, it's a short read. It was a number one new release on Amazon's uh, quick reads and then in multiple sections within Amazon, like uh, work-life balance and work-life stress. Yeah. All that, you know, practical tips in the morning, during work and in the evening to help us manage our days so we have more energy in our days. Nice. So that, that's, I think it's a, it's a great compliment or a companion piece to my memoir. I mean, people get to learn a little bit more my, about my personal story, but the tips, the tips make it, make it magical in, in my opinion. And then where to find more about me is my website, which is michaelobrienshift.com. And there you can find like my social media ch- channels and sign up for my blog posts and all that good stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so that's the best place to start. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate your time today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Have a good one. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. 